0: up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse, and I am here back again for year two of the locks of Saturday. Chris, Robert, Ed, Brett, we are all on the call. Guys, last year, Las Vegas made more money on college football gambling than it had since they started taking stats for that kind of stuff. They had us in the first half. They're not going to have us in the second half. Guys, how are we feeling about the 2021 college football season? It's finally here.
1: We are back, baby. Fans, beers, tailgating, it's all back. So I'm feeling pretty good about 2021 compared to 2020.
0: Yeah, we are less than a month away from kickoff. We are about three weeks away as of tonight, August 11th, when we are recording. I believe the first kickoff is Nebraska and Illinois. We're not talking about any Midwest teams tonight. Tonight, we are going to tackle the win totals for the ACC Atlantic. A little bit of our schedule. We'll do ACC Atlantic win totals tonight. Next week, same time, ACC Coastal win totals. After that, we're going to do a bit of a national pod. We're going to give you our final four predictions, our conference winners, some out-of-the-box things that we have our eyes on for the season. And then after that, it is week one and some huge, huge games week one, including a little game in Blacksburg. So... Guys, are you ready to get started? Born ready. Born ready. I love it. All right. Well, we're just going to get started off. Uh, We're going to go down the list in alphabetical order. That is the order we are going with tonight. And we're going to start off with the Boston College Eagles. Vegas currently has the Boston College Eagles at a win total of 7.0. And by the way, when I say Vegas, these are using uh, the FanDuel sportsbook numbers. I know Barstool is a new sportsbook. In the state of Virginia, Um, the win totals are pretty much the same across sports books. The difference will be the the odds with those, whether they're minus 135 or minus 130 can differ site to site. We will just be using the FanDuel numbers for the next few weeks. So Boston College, 7.0. I'll do this for every team, but I'm going to give you some key games that are really going to stand out in their schedule in terms of their win loss. And these aren't anything new if you read any Athlon magazine or anything. These will come up on September 25th. They play SEC opponent Missouri, which will be a theme of tonight and next week's podcast is ACC versus SEC games. And then I think the big one in November 5th versus Virginia Tech, they have done really well against the Hokies in Chestnut Hill since 2016. And this is not including 2020 because win totals just were all wonky for 2020. Boston College is two and two win totals against Vegas, two and two. So, Irby, get us kicked off. How are we feeling about the Boston College Eagles this season?
2: I, I have a question for you guys. Is the Matt Ryan era back at Boston College? No. No, it's not. It's not. The Matt Ryan era is not back. But Boston College fans should be about as excited about what they have this year as they have been since then. And it, it really does start with Djokovic. I mean, he is an all-ACC quarterback-level talent. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. He has a big arm. You know, he throws the ball really well, but more importantly, he takes care of the ball. He had only five interceptions last year and 10 starts. So that's an interception every other game, which is phenomenal. And a a quarterback that talented to transfer in from Notre Dame, a high-end four-star prospect, that is the kind of guy that Boston College does not get often. And, And he has tons of guys to throw it to, and they love to air it out last year. Last year, he had three guys that averaged 15 or more yards per catch, and all three of those guys are back, including Zay Flowers, who is one of the best receivers and one of the best playmakers in the ACC. He's going to miss Hunter Long, who was a very solid tight end and is now on the Miami Dolphins. Um, But he also gets back Kobe White, um, who has been a strong receiver for the Eagles for the last few years and missed all of last season with an injury. He's got lots of targets to throw it to. It could be a really special offense if the run game becomes more consistent. They struggled to run the ball a little bit last year, um, but I think if that offensive line takes a couple steps forward in their ability to um, get some push in the run game, they could do well. Their defense, I'll be honest, is not great, but compared to the rest of the Atlantic, it's Average, at least, because you're not going to find any lockdown defenses outside of Clemson, South Carolina, in the ACC this year. And honestly, when it comes to a win total, I think that they have a pretty favorable schedule. As Sam mentioned, they have that non-conference game against Missouri, which will be a tough game. But the rest of their non-conference schedule is Colgate, UMass, and Temple. Not to mention their inner division matchups are Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. And so I conservatively see them winning four of those six games. And at the same time, I see them going four and two against the Atlantic because I just do think that they have a bit more talent than a lot of the other teams that we're going to cover tonight in this division. And last but not least is Jeff Hafley. I mean, he is a great, great young coach. Um, He's one of the best coaches in the ACC. And I will always believe that Boston College will be trending in the right direction as long as he is there. The question being, how long can they keep him there? Because I'm sure demand and, more importantly, money will come as much as Boston College continues to succeed. So, long story short, I think the over hits here. But with the line being 7.0, I think there's also a decent chance for a push. So, at the very least, you get your money back. I think that Boston College winning six or fewer games is pretty unlikely.
1: I mean, just keep it short and sweet. I think it comes down to scheduling. I mean, up until the Clemson game, I mean they have Colgate, UMass, Temple, I mean, and Missouri going into Clemson on October 2nd. Very well could be 4-0 going into that game. Maybe Kyle Game Day goes to Clemson for that game. Who knows? Big game, but for them. But uh easily 4-0 to that game. Uh then they fall with NC State, Louisville, Syracuse. I think they win two out of those three, no problem. That already puts them at that already puts them at six. Um, then they go, then they finish out with Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake Forest easily get—I think two out of four of those—that puts them at eight, and you're already at the over. So, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say this team's more than capable of getting to eight wins, um, especially when it comes down to quarterback plays. Always a major piece in college football, more than almost in more than in, in the NFL, especially. I would say definitely coming down to a consistently good quarterback, especially in a, t- in a conference that's going to be like Irby said with not too many lockdown defenses that are outside of Clemson. Um, I think Djurkovic has some weapons and he's going to be able to protect the ball. And I think he's going to be able to lead them to at least seven wins. And I'm thinking they're at least going to get eight.
0: Starting
3: with Boston College, uh, this was one of the teams that I did an actual deep dive on. I uh, kind of wanted to find some value in there. And to me, I found value in the over here. Uh, I think this is an easy eight win floor type team this season. Uh, some of the highlights have already been hit, but just to give some more context, they have 10 out of 11 returning starters on offense, two of them being the quarterback wide receiver tandem between Jerkovic. Is it Dracovic? Dracovic? I'm going to go with Jerkovic. I don't I think know. that's right. <laughs> hey, I NBA. honestly don't know. I have heard both. I need a pronunciation guide here. The uh, the EC oh, versus no. the IC. I'm a big NBA guy, so I think of Doncic and and uh, Jokic and stuff. So I get caught up in that. But um, nevertheless, uh, the quarterback wide receiver kind of elite tandem. You know, alone they don't really meet that criteria, but together I think they do. I think this is the second best wide receiver quarterback tandem in the ACC behind, obviously, what I think is going to be DJ and Justin Ross and Clemson. Um, and then they have uh, what we think would be regarded as one of the top, probably top three, uh, possibly top if you can get the, or excuse me, if you can get the uh, uh, comparison across the board, but their offensive line is, is just has been, and always will be kind of continuing going forward as one of the better ones. Uh, they just seem to always have a great offensive line there in Boston college. Uh, so Jet just raises the floor of the offense to really carry the defense and uh, you mentioned it, they weren't good last year, but the year before that, the dodgers last year, they were, I believe, uh, 101st in overall defense. Uh, that improved to 60th. The big reason for that to me, and it's not like they influxed the team with a whole new wave of talent. Um, I just think that's the Jeff Halfley effect, his NFL secondary pedigree coming in uh, from Ohio State as well. And I think that trend continues. I, I think the floor of the defense raises a little bit higher. Um, and so when you have a really productive offense, Uh, You have a increasingly higher floor on defense. And then the last big part of this is the schedule. Um, Now you mentioned Colgate and UMass, but they have six additional sub 500 teams from 2020 on their schedule. One of those being Virginia tech of which Sam mentioned earlier, Virginia tech doesn't play well in chestnut Hill. That game also being on Friday night, which will undoubtedly be the red bandana game, which is always one where it's a if there ever is a worse atmosphere to play. It's a Friday cold night B.C. red bandana game. So that's one I have circled as a as a watch out game for for Virginia Tech next season. So all of those elements together, um, I think seven wins is an easy clear for this program. And I would definitely take the value of the over in this one.
0: Yeah. Ed, what are you feeling on this one? Because we're hearing a lot about the offense and the defense was very, very bad for Boston college last year.
4: Yeah. I'll be pretty short and sweet here, but while the defense was bad, you'd have to think that they would improve even if it's, you know, by a marginal amount, they improve a little bit with their um, experience at quarterback and the good weapons on the outside. I think um, this is definitely an over seven win team. Um, Primarily because of the four to start out, I think they could easily be four and zero, and you know more than halfway there very quickly in this season. So I think this isn't over. I always like going with experienced quarterbacks, especially when they're um, solid, solid college quarterbacks. The way uh, Jerkovich is,
0: yeah, it's hard to go against Jerkovich, and he definitely is an NFL talent. Um, he'll be talked about a whole lot come draft time, um, and I think this is probably their best receiving core. In recent history, definitely, maybe all time for Boston College, Uh, Zay Flowers is a phenomenal first-team All-ACC talent. I do have an issue with that rush defense, though, especially the linebacking core. There's just not a lot of talent there, and they haven't shown the ability to stop the run, but maybe even worse for Boston College, maybe even more off-brand. They have not been able to run the football. Last season, they were 118th in the country. In yards per game, uh, they do not have a lot of talent in that backfield at all, and I think that came, you know, to fruition. You saw it against Virginia Tech; they would get across the 50-yard line, they just wouldn't be able to do anything because defenses could kind of say, "Hey, we're just going to rush the passer, and then see what happens from there." We don't have to worry about the run as much. Last season, they had they averaged four points per trip inside the 40-yard line, so they get into the opponent's 40-yard line. They're only averaging four points on those drives. That was 82nd nationally. And as a bit of a teaser, there's some teams later on in this podcast that are a whole lot worse at that stat. I think this is a good team. I think it'll be a better team, but the schedule for me is It is just a a little bit much for too much of an improvement. Missouri is going to be a really tough team. You know, NC State will be better. Georgia Tech will be better. Louisville, Virginia Tech, Florida State, they're all going to be better. I have them pushing at seven and five. I think a big stretch for them is going to be kind of those last four games of the season. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake Forest. Three of those four are at home. I have them going seven and five. I don't have a lot of I, I can't go for eight wins for a team that can't run the ball and can't stop the run. That's that's just me. Uh, we did get some input on this from some guys on the Locked On Boston College podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at LockedOnBC. They do great content for Boston College, and there's not a whole lot of Boston College content out there. So if you're interested in something, definitely hit it up. Yeah, so here's what we got from them. They said, we think Boston college is set through for a breakthrough year. I'm quoting right now with almost their entire offense returning and courting the quarterback. Their offense could be special. The defense is the big question mark. They need to improve, especially on third down. However, with Jeff Hathley in command, the future looks bright for the Eagles have said it multiple times on the pod. I have Boston college winning nine games and a bowl with a top 25 finish for the first time since 2007. That is a bit lofty. That sounds like a Boston sports fan, if I've ever heard one, but you can kind of see where he's coming from. You have a really good head coach, you have a good quarterback, um, and a somewhat manageable schedule down the stretch. So that's what they're saying in Chestnut Hill. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, Chris, I know you have some thoughts on that. When
3: I first read that, my uh my, my first suspicion was um that Jeff Halfley wrote that. I, I don't know if he also runs the Locked On podcast for, for Boston College, but... Um, he might.
0: It might be his recruiting them. tool. I'm just going to start a podcast <laughs> as, as my <laughs> pseudonym. You're doing that really well. Jeff Halfley's well. burner.
3: <laughs> but um, no, that is a lofty goal. Nine wins is a lot. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they ever get to nine wins, but since it was 2007, that was when they had a quarterback. Some of us might remember him. His name is Matt Ryan. And uh, there was a big reason they won uh, that many games back then. And I just cannot compare um, Matt Ryan to, uh, to Mr. Phil Jerkovic. Jerkovic.
0: <laughs> well, we're going uh, to find out how to say it um, before November 5th, maybe, when the Hokies Correct. travel up there. We're going to move on to our next team. And this is the team that needs no introduction, the Clemson Tigers. They have ran the ACC for much of my adult life. And 11 and a half, they are replacing Trevor Lawrence. They're replacing Travis Etienne and they are set for 11 and a half is what Vegas has to them. Some key games for them. It goes without saying the opener in Charlotte against the Georgia Bulldogs. I think another big game for them is September 25th, which is a huge weekend around the ACC. Uh, They'll play at NC state in Raleigh. We'll get to the Wolfpack a little later on. And then another one, I think on the end of end of October, they host Florida State. And I think that's going to be a big game for this one because classic Clemson that you loses one, two games a year, that's the game they lose to the talented team that's going to be sitting around 500 playing them at home. Um, so I think that's a big game. And also that's a bit more of a rivalry there in the ACC Atlantic. Since 2016, and again, this is not including the 2020 season, they are 4-0, a perfect 4-0 and against Vegas for the win totals. So, Clemson, definitely overachieving still what a Vegas thinks of them. I oh, will start off, Brett. What do you think about the Tigers?
1: I mean, no introduction is right, and no introduction is to DJ. I don't know how to say his last name. Somebody Uwe wants un-
0: to, Uwe Agagale, Uwe un- Yeah, something
1: like Uwe that. Uwe
0: Ongagale. Uwe Ongagale.
1: Uwe Ongagale. And, I mean, he needs no introduction. I mean, he flashed greatness in his own pretty much game against their biggest game of the year last year against Notre Dame, but 11 and a half, I mean, that means they have to run the table the regular season. Um, I just think they're going to lose just one game. I mean, I think this Georgia Clemson game is do or die for Kirby smart. I mean, honestly, they've been, you know, they've been kept getting left out of the playoff. They're not winning the big games. I think Georgia tech's really going to bring it to Clemson um, on that, at that night game. So I would not be surprised if Georgia hands Clemson their first loss of the season, the very first game, uh, NC State's going to be tough. NC State always plays up to their opponents. Um, Dave doran always has them ready for big games, and I can see them playing up for that game. And Florida State—I mean, Clemson got away with one. What was that two years ago against Florida State when they forgot how to, they forgot how to do a quarterback sneak? Like they got and they fumbled the ball on fourth and one. So I mean, Clemson got away with one there too. So it's like they're going to lose one game. Does that going to keep them out of the playoff? No, they're still going to make the playoff. They're still going to be there at the end of the year. They're gonna lose one game and still run the table for the rest of the year, especially with a good quarterback um, and the return of Justin Ross is gonna be huge for them too. But as I said, I think it should. I think one game. I think there is is gonna get them, and I'm, it's gonna be either NC State, Georgia, or Forest State. And I as I agree with you, Sam. And a newly coached South Carolina Shane Beamer, that one might be interesting. Oh, honestly.
0: We'll have to settle down here. Let's (laughs) settle down. We'll have to throw in some South Carolina games throughout the year because I think that's going to be interesting. Chris, your thoughts on the Clemson Tigers? Yeah, this one was a
3: quick uh, one for me. I agree totally with Brett. This is a bet on them just losing a regular season game of which they've been prone to doing uh, either losing or coming really close to a loss. I think it was uh, the Boston College game last year was the one where they came storming back at the end of the game. That was the game where Trevor Lawrence was out. Um, so they just always have that one kind of random hiccup game. So I'm betting on that. Uh, the value here is on the under. So I'm going under 10 and a half. I'm
4: also on the under here and I'll take it a step further. I think they win, or they lose, sorry, more than one game. I think they actually lose two games this year. Um, one in week one to Georgia. And then I think they'll probably have that other casual hiccup uh, to one of these other teams I'll talk about tonight. So um, I'm going to go under and I just, I don't, I don't see it. I have two bullets. Two or three bullets, pretty much, written down for each team, and my number one bullet under Clemson is no Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I guess that the talent drop off is not super dramatic there at quarterback, clearly. Um, but I think there's something about Trevor Lawrence that uh, really inspired that team and helped them somewhat overachieve and cover up some of their other issues. I think they have. Um, I, I think it'll be a step back year for Clemson. Uh, they'll still win the ACC. I don't think they make the playoff, but. I'm going
0: to go under on this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to go under as well. And I'm going to go an extra game under. And I agree with that. I think this is, I think 10 wins is what I see for Clemson. Now that's saying a lot. The last time that Clemson had less than 11 wins in a regular season was 2014. That team went nine and three. Um, so it's, you know, we're we're talking about a half decade ago over half a def- decade ago and since the Clemson Tigers didn't absolutely run the ACC my issue with this team is is like you said there were you know every single year teams have to overcome talent loss but Clemson has to overcome their top 2 rushers and their top 3 pass catchers and, and it's just it's a whole lot i think well, i think they lose week 1 against georgia i think georgia set up to finally break through and win the SEC this year we'll get to that on our national podcast um, I, I think they're going to lose another in there. I know which one that I think it is, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but, um, I, I have this as a 10 and two team. They, they don't really strike me as perfect. I, and I think so many years we see these Clemson in teams. Like if you're betting over 11 and a half, you say this is going to be a perfect team. And I just don't think that that's a whole lot of good value, especially when they have a, a pretty tough schedule. The ACC Atlantic is better overall than it usually is. NC state's better. Florida state is better. They have to play Georgia. There's some tough games in there. Uh, give me the under on Clemson and you're kind of just playing your odds as well, right? They're four and zero on the overs um, since 2016. I feel pretty confident saying that they will be under on this one. Irby round us out with the Clemson tigers.
2: I think that that Clemson's team as a whole may not be, what it was last year, but I think that the X factor here is their defensive line and their pass rush. Um, people talk about, I believe it was that 2018 year where they had Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Furrell and all those guys as like one of the best defensive lines of all time. But this is honestly competing with it where they had Brian Brisset and Miles Murphy and Tyler Davis all his first team preseason all ACC selections with Xavier Thomas being a second teamer. So if you have three of your four defensive linemen as first team, all ACC and the one that isn't is Xavier Thomas. That's pretty impressive. And ultimately I think that that the game is one in the trenches and these ACC offensive lines, aren't really going to be able to um, slow them down really at all. Um, I think that even if DJ struggles and the offense struggles at times, especially running the ball, their defense will keep them in it because that pass rush will just be so brutal and so dominant against these lesser ACC opponents. I think looking at the bet as a whole, if you believe that Clemson will beat Georgia, then bet the over. And if you believe that Georgia will beat Clemson, then bet the under. And that's kind of where I sit on it um, because I just don't really see any of these ACC teams, even though we are seeing some improvement. I just think that Clemson's going to be on a whole nother level that. These other teams won't be able to match.
0: It is hard to go against Clemson in any singular game this season, even with Georgia. All right, let's move on a little bit further down south to Tallahassee, the Florida State Seminoles, who have been a disappointing program uh, for a few years now. They are one in three versus Vegas on the win total since 2016. Uh, their win total this year is five five point zero. Some big games for them again. Um, you know, inner division um, inside the division on November six against NC State, and then the next week, the annual game against Miami. Both of those are at home, and then the week after that, they have to travel up to Boston College. So definitely a tough three game stretch for Florida State, and I think that stretch is going to determine whether this team goes over or under or pushes on this five win total. Chris, we'll start it off with you. The uh, you got to feel better about Florida state this year than you did last year. Right?
3: So when I had to go down the win totals here and pick a couple teams to dive in on, I saw Florida state and the line was five wins. And my immediate thought was that is just way too low. That is a discount for this team. And I'm not only going to say that they go above that, but, um, I am sticking my neck out this year. Florida State is my rebound team. Uh, I just, after what we witnessed last year, and when I say witness, I mean teams that were trying to implement some new version, like a coordinator replacement or what have you, we all saw them kind of stumble and falter across the board. And then you mix in the fact that they didn't have kind of camps and and a lot of programs were impacted more so than others are included. Um, that led to a lot of, um, I would say, disruption in what happened last year. Florida State had that across the board, head coach, coordinators, everything, and I just don't see that happening this year with the stability they now have. Full off season, they have great coordinators and great track records across the board for everybody. And it's not like their talent dropped off. They went through the end of the Jimbo era. They had Willie Taggart there. And I think they went from like a top five or six to 10 kind of nationally recruiting team to like bottoming out in quotation marks to like the high teens, low 20. So like a down year is still like the 18th overall class for Florida State. So it's not like they just had a complete sieve of talent in those years as well. Um, I think Norville knows what he's doing. He's going to put this team back together and – I believe uh, it has now been two years since Mackenzie Milton, I think three years almost, uh, has taken a snap, but he's back. Um, he's in a quarterback battle with Jordan Travis, who's kind of pushing him as that kind of like more dual threat type option versus what Milton can offer in stability at the, uh, the kind of quarterback room there. Um, all of these elements combined, um, they do have a pretty tough schedule, but in the end of the day, it's five wins. Um, with the upgrades that they're doing, the stability they have coming through the offseason, and the fact that they had to replace absolutely everything. um, I don't think this team just barely clips four or five wins. I think Florida State is going to be on track to probably win, like, eight or nine games this season. So they're my my turnaround program of 2021. That seems
4: awfully ambitious. Uh, I like it. Uh, I do disagree, though. I think, at best, they push five here. Um, I just don't see five winnable games on their schedule or five you know, not winnable games. Every game is winnable, but, like, locks to win. I see maybe three locks on their schedule. But other than that, um, I'm not really buying Florida State being back yet. Um, something I wrote down on my my little cheat sheet here is that I have kind of view them like UNC without the great quarterback play. Um, they recruit really well. And they – I mean, like you mentioned, they always have. But until they put it together, I'm not going to believe it. And they don't have – I don't think um, – their quarterback play is clearly anywhere near as good as UNC's, regardless of how good um, Milton was before the injury. I mean, I don't know. I'll, have to, I'll have to see it to believe it. I'm going to go with the under here and at best the push for Florida State.
0: You know, I, I think for me, five is a little bit low on the win total. I would have expected this at least at like a five and a half because you look at some of their toss-up games, they, they do have a lot. I think you could circle Wake Forest, Louisville, um, heck, even NC State and Boston College. You could kind of circle those as top um, toss-up games just because of the talent that Florida State has. I have him going 6-6 six and six on the season and finally making it back to a bowl, so that would be the over. Um, I don't have a huge amount of confidence in it. I, I do think it depends on the quarterback. Look, McKenzie Milton was a stud at Central Florida when he was healthy, but he hasn't been healthy in years. I mean, he's coming back from probably as gruesome of an injury that you can come back from in the game of football. So, but we don't even know if he's going to be the quarterback one Jordan Travis last year, led this team in passing and he led in rushing and he led him rushing by a good margin, 158 yards. He led the team in rushing. So he's a really good athletic player who could maybe be an X factor for them. I'm not sure this is a breakout year for Florida state. Um, I think they will struggle down the stretch because they just haven't really, really, Develop depth at that program with the younger players. They have a younger offensive line and their defenses. I mean, their defense was God awful last year. God awful. 107th in the nation in total defense last season, Florida state. That is 107th in the nation. Um, We talked about the drives points per drive inside the opponent's 40 yard line. Uh, Florida state was 101 in the nation In that category, only getting 3.7 points per drive inside the 40 yard line. So there's not a whole lot looking up for this team to tell you it's anything different except for the coaches and coordinators have another year to work with these guys. They have another year to develop. I think that's worth a few, few notches in the win column, and they do have some pretty easy games. Uh, they should handle Jacksonville State, although they have struggled. Um, I believe they almost lost to. Did they lose that game to Louisiana Monroe and Cam Newton's brother? Uh, I forget.
2: I think they played him two years and lost one and barely won the other.
0: Yeah, and then there was like a game against South Alabama. So, I mean, it's, they're all over the place. So, but they also have UMass. That should be a win. Jacksonville State should be a win. Syracuse should be a win. Like you, you can make it happen with the amount of toss-up games. But yeah, I have Florida State going over. Um, but just by a game, maybe two games, uh, Erby, your, your thoughts on the Knowles.
2: I do think that I actually agree with Ed a bit more. Uh, I believe that their schedule is maybe a little too tough. I think that if you look at their non-conference slash inner division matchups, like, yes, they play Jacksonville state, but they have to play Florida and Notre Dame. Plus their two inner division matchups are UNC and Miami. That's pretty brutal. Um, And I just think that there are too many programs in the Atlantic division. You look at NC state and wake forest and Boston college that have like some positive momentum to them, um, that I just don't see them going. I don't see them winning six games. Like I think going 500 is a lot to ask for Florida state at this stage. So I see the under hitting and at the very worst, a push.
1: So I stared at this for a long time. I really did because Florida state's always been that team, you know, that's seems like they always give people trouble no matter what. And, but last year was just an abomination of what Florida state football used to be, but granted it's under a coaching change. And to me, 2020, it's, it was, it was easy to judge the really good teams because they're really good for a reason. and They won't waver. But these middle of the pack teams for tech included last year was hard to gauge really what they were capable of. I mean, Florida state basically beat the best UNC team there's been since the nineties or Marquise Lee, I guess maybe eight years ago with pretty much no offense and pretty much no defense. And they ended up beating UNC last year. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, this team's got something. I mean, they have a lot coming back. This is my thing is Mackenzie Milton. This is the first, I guess, proven quarterback Florida state has had in a long time. I can't remember the last time that they had a consistent QB or somebody that had some proven stats. And from what I was reading and from my research, apparently he had a great spring game. People are really excited about him. They said he looks great. Not quite the same player he was, but let's not forget, he was a Heisman contender preseason before his injury. So, I mean, that's pretty – I mean, to have a guy come in and hopefully lead your team, that's – can't really ask for much more. As for the defense, yeah, it was pretty abysmal. They had five – they went to, I'll say, the Virginia Tech method, or I think a lot of teams are going to this now. They went to the transfer portal almost immediately this after the season uh, ended, including a defensive lineman, Jermaine Johnson from Georgia, Keir Thomas from South Carolina, and they also got three defensive backs, something they seriously lacked last year. Another uh, starting nickelback, Jarquez McClellan, Brandon Moore from UCF, and then start former South Carolina safety, Jamie Robertson, who had 74 tackles last year. So they have some talent coming on defense as well. I just think that's going to be enough to get them at over five wins. Again, tough schedule, but I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams this year. Um, I think they're going to really ruin some people's seasons just off the sole fact that they're going to be the Ford State, maybe not have passed, but maybe they're going to start inching their way towards there. I mean, rest in peace, Bobby Bowden to I be mean, one of the greatest football greats of all time. You got to think that they're going to have a little bit of that with them all season. So I, I'm sticking with over five here. Um, I think their max is not that high, but I think five is pretty low for a team with a solid quarterback and a team that does have the talent uh, to compete. It's just whether or not they show up to the games.
0: I was wondering when we were going to bring in the Bobby Bowden motivation, the the Bobby Bowden season for Florida State where they go back to old and they're just running a mock over everybody that they play. They're, they are an interesting team. And it seems like every year we're like, will they bounce back this year or will they bounce back this year? So we'll see what they do. But the win total at five, I, I think is just it is astronomically low for a program that has that much talent in the recruiting circle. So it shows you what Vegas thinks of recruiting numbers. We'll move on to another team that has, you know, a bit more of a, a They've recruited some guys recently, but man, oh, man, did they have a dumpster fire of a season and a dumpster fire of an offseason. The Louisville Cardinals, they come in at six and a half um, as their Vegas total. Some key games for them. I, I have four for them, actually, again, on the 25th, which I think is one of the biggest weekends for the ACC across the board, not only in the Atlantic, but in the coastal. They play at Florida State. And then you have three games against teams that are going to be towards the bottom of the conference that I think that they need to win to hit this over. On October 9th, they host Virginia. On November 13th, they host Syracuse. And on November 18th, they travel to Duke. I think they they really need those games to hit this over. And I'll just go ahead and kick it off. I have them going over. I have them going seven and five. Because every part of me thinks that this program is a dumpster fire and will win like five games this year, max. And every year there's that one team that kind of comes out and surprises you and gets to a bowl and you don't expect it. And I think it's Louisville. And there's just something about Malik Cunningham that he can win them a couple games. If I look at their schedule, I think on the surface, it's a really, really daunting schedule. Uh, They have two games against the sec. They book in their season with them. They'll play Ole Miss in Atlanta And then they end it with Kentucky. Um, Their other non-conference games are Eastern Kentucky, which they always play. And they play Central Florida, who will be under new head coach Gus Malzahn from Auburn. And here's my thing about that. Look, Ole Miss is going to be a very, very exceptional offensive team. They will be one of the worst defensive teams in the country. That game could go either way. That game could be 52 to 45, and I don't know which team is winning. Central Florida, they have not performed very well playing ACC teams. As of recently, they've lost to Pitt. They've lost some others. Um, they're going to have to travel to Louisville early in the season. That's a game that they could win. Gus Malzahn is having to replace almost the entire defense at Central Florida, and they get Central Florida early. And then Kentucky has some guys, but you know we don't really know what we're going to get from Kentucky this year. Are they going to be able to run the ball as much as they have recently? They do not have a running quarterback, and they get to end their season, Syracuse and Duke um before that. So I think this is a team that could win 7 games. They definitely have the talent especially at the quarterback position. Um they also a little fun nugget. They only have 4 true road games this season. So that could definitely play into their play into their hands as well. Uh I think Louisville they they have what it takes to get to this point whether they are functional enough to get there I, I think remains to be seen. One thing that I also wanted to bring up was we talk a lot about turnovers and how important they are to football, but there is a lot of luck that goes into turnovers and year over year, they kind of seem to seem to balance themselves out last year. Louisville was minus 13 in turnovers. That was 126th in the nation. That is out of 130 teams. They were 126. They were abysmal. They lost so many games because of it. If that evens out a bit, you can see them winning a game or two extra than what we would Um, project them from last season. So I got Louisville over at seven and a half. Ed, what do you have for the Louisville Cardinals and quarterback Malik Cunningham, who is still at Louisville after all these years?
4: Yeah, and believe it or not, he's he's only 22. um, So he's not super old. Uh, I actually also have the over. I kind of like how their schedule lays out. And, you know, another note I had was the returning quarterback factor, Malik Cunningham. I think he's a pretty good player. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, you lay out the schedule, so I'm not going to dive into it again. But uh, I I do also have the over, I think, returning quarterback with a very interesting schedule that might lay out nicely for them. But that week one game will be very interesting on Monday against Ole Miss in Atlanta. So that'll be cool. Uh, Cool to watch. I'll go over here for Louisville.
0: We're all taking the over in that game. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's going to be a fun one.
2: So I'm actually going to go with the under here, but I do think that Louisville is kind of that team that is probably the hardest to predict just because they do have good athletes and they have Cunningham who is experienced. They could kind of go either way, but I just think that with their program, there just seems to be a lot of unsteadiness. You look at since, since Lamar Jackson left and don't get me started on how severely that program underachieved with a guy like Lamar Jackson, they went 8-5 and five in his last year, but that's another thing. Uh, they've been 14-22 and 22 since Lamar Jackson left. And last season was also a pretty big underachievement. I mean, Chris and I were out here predicting that they'd be in the ACC championship game and they finished 4-7. and seven. Uh, So unless Chris and I are absolutely crazy, which is probably true, that was a pretty big underachievement. And even though Cunningham is back... He, lo- he loses Javion Hawkins and Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, which are three NFL-caliber weapons, a running back and two receivers. And it is typically a bad sign for improvement when a 4-7 and seven team loses its running back and its top two wide receivers. And the defense, as Sam has touched on, is, uh, we'll say, inconsistent. I mean, for example, last year they gave up 46 points to Georgia Tech, who was one of the less good teams, we'll say. And then the next week they hold Notre Dame who made the playoff to 12. So you don't really know how to predict that. You would probably just assume that the defense isn't going to perform well. And that schedule is tough. You know, you play Ole Miss, Eastern Kentucky, UCF and Kentucky. And that's, that's two SEC opponents plus one of the, I don't know, two best group of five programs out there right now. You start at Ole Miss East Eastern Kentucky and UCF then you play at Florida State and at Wake I mean it's very plausible for Louisville to be two and three maybe even one and four after that stretch to start the season and that's just to say that they'll win seven or more games to me just seems very unlikely Uh, I'm gonna hammer that under and also if there's a little prop that floats out there at some
0: point for Scott Satterfield to get fired I might throw something at that too He hasn't helped his cause, has he? I think of all of the guys who have kind of moved on to bigger jobs, he has just really struggled with the pressures of being a power five coach and being a guy who has the pressures of the media, let's say. He has not done a very good job. Brett, Louisville sitting at six and a half.
1: Yeah, Robert definitely kind of nailed it on the head. What I was going to say is, I mean, they lost three of their – Best offensive players behind Malik Cunningham, who also really Malik Cunningham was like, oh, my gosh, it's the next Lamar Jackson. Oh, my gosh, this guy's legit. And he granted he got injured. But from before he was injured, I still didn't see a whole lot. enough for me, especially for him to lead on his own, which he's going to have to do this year on top of a really bad defense. I'm going to have to go with the under here for all the reasons, honestly, that Robert said and uh, starting off with a butt kicking to. Lane Kiffin, which is probably going to happen. Um, is not going to be a good start for Scott Siderfield. And I also think he's on the hot seat. I remember when he was hired, everybody's like, oh my gosh, Louisville is going to be the team to give Clemson problems for the next six years until he goes somewhere else. And he's really let everybody down, including me because I rode him pretty hard. Um, and I was also one of the people that rode Louisville really hard last year in hammering the over and they were abysmal. Granted, I'm still a big proponent of 2020. It was really hard to gauge some of these, middle-tier teams last year, but losing all that talent, uh, Billy Cunningham not showing me what's going on. And Scott Satterfield, honestly, not really sure where his direction is going with the program, kind of leads me to believe that they're not going to get to seven wins and not even close. I actually have them finishing towards the bottom half of the uh, conference, which we'll talk about later.
0: I think they're going to be a really interesting case study about how tough 2020 was for programs in general. We talked about Florida state Um, next week. We'll get to Virginia tech and what they had to do, bringing on Justin Hamilton, along with a lot of young defensive players. But Louisville's just one of those teams that just seemed out of sorts the whole season. They didn't seem well coached. They didn't seem like they had real identity to them. It looked like they wanted Lamar Jackson just to go out there and yeah. play football for they them. Never
1: looked ready and a team that no. never looked ready. Always concerns me, even in a season like last year where you didn't know how ready you're going to be, you know, until 24 hours for the game, which I understand. I mean, every team went through it, but again, every team went through it. And Louisville will just looked, especially against Virginia tech, they looked out of sorts, especially defensively, but then they went not held like, then they wouldn't held Notre Dame to 12 points. So who knows? But yeah, I'm still hammering the under.
0: I think for me, that's probably the toughest team in the Atlantic to, to gauge. Definitely. I don't know how, how y'all feel. Chris, Round us out with Louisville, but definitely a tough, tough team to kind of wrap your head around. So I stuck my neck up for them last year and I'm going to do it again.
3: So Louisville over, this is a seven win floor team, uh, within their losses last year, four of them were by a touchdown or less. I just think that that was just a, a weird year. I'm going to chalk it up to that. I still believe in the trajectory where Scott Satterfield started to where he got in 2019. And then last year stumbled. And then he continues that kind of continuing upward trajectory of the program. So I'm going to double down on what I believe last year. Granted, the guy has had some uh, pretty awesome media gaffes uh, that have not helped his case. Uh, but if there's one place to have a coach that can get away with stuff, it's in Louisville. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of push the I believe button. And uh, I think they continue to improve. This is a seven-win team, at least. So, over. Oh,
0: so we're going to look back on this in about five weeks and say, ooh, oof, someone did not learn from their mistakes as they give up 75 points to Ole Miss in Atlanta. Um, Irby, you did say that was like a true, that was at Ole Miss. That's basically going to be at Ole Miss. I mean, that stadium's probably going to be 80% Ole Miss people. So, that, although they only have four true road games, you could pretty much say five. It'll be mostly um, powder blue and red there in Atlanta. Let's move on to the next team. And I think this is the team that I am most excited about tonight. The NC state wolf pack. They are sitting at a whopping six and a half for Vegas, six and a half for this team. I-, I could go on and on about this. I will go on and on about this. Robert, you, you start us off with it. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I mean, I this is probably the most obvious bet we have here. Six and a half is is ridiculously low. I mean, much like Boston College, I'm very bullish on NC State. I think that it comes down to Devin Leary coming back from his injury. And when he was in the lineup for NC State, their offense was just so balanced. And it was it was one of the best offenses in the con- conference. Because, I mean, they have two very, very, very good running backs Um, And then you add on Leary, who can make plays with his arm, which is something that Bailey Hockman struggled with. This is going to be one of the best offenses in the conference. And they have a pretty favorable non-conference schedule as well. And I think that this gets them pretty far over six and a half wins.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, this is my lock it in. This is my first lock it in bet of the year. I'm pushing the button. I'm locking it in over six and a half. Easy. Uh, just some notes about North Carolina state. Um, they do have some tough games. They traveled for a true road game. They do go to Starkville, Mississippi and play Mississippi state in week two. Um, they also have a game at Florida state. And as always to end the season, they will host the North Carolina tall Tar Heel. So they do have some tough games in the schedule since 2016 the target the, uh, excuse me, the Wolf pack are two, one and one against the win totals for Vegas two one and one. And I think they're about to make it three, one, and one. This team has potential to be really, really good. They return 19 starters. Um, you could honestly say 20 because they do have a two-headed monster running back, like Robert alluded to in Azanovan Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr., probably the two best running backs. Um, running back tandem in the ACC, in my opinion. Um, They also are boasting one of the best linebacker cores. They do have all ACC linebacker Peyton Wilson, who led the ACC in tackles last season. He's joined with Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore, and those guys are phenomenal. This team really came along last season. We saw them play Virginia Tech to start the season, and they didn't look crisp. They didn't look good. And then towards the end of the season, they were a completely different team. One reason they started bad was turnovers. They just had awful turnover luck. Last year, uh, they were their projected turnover margin was actually um, basically even at 0.2, plus 0.2, which would have been 61st in the country. Their actual turnover margin was minus 7, which is 112th in the country. So this is the team that you was know, statistically very unlucky in the turnover. If that turns, this team could win a whole lot of games. I have them going 9 and 3 on the season. I have them finishing second in the Atlantic. My losses for them are Miami, Florida State, and North Carolina. I I think they're going to trip up in some areas, but I think this is a team that could pull an upset and I think they are finally 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 going to beat Clemson in Raleigh. That's that's my take. 9 and 3 on the year. I'm going bullish on the Wolfpack.
1: Yeah, Sam, uh I totally agree with you. And your Clemson pick, I love it. Uh seems like always a night game in NC State always gives people trouble. It used to be Fort State. Remember, every time Fort State showed up in Raleigh on a night game when they were back, especially in the mid two thousands or early twenty tens, seems like they always won. And I think this is the year NC State's gonna finally get over the top. Really, NC State's only big problem last sure, year was their run was their uh, run defense. I mean, they gave up three hundred six three hundred and fourteen to Tech three twenty six to UNC and two eight eight to Kentucky. But they're also top 15 in the country in sacks and top 30 in interceptions, 10, which also leads to what you were talking about how their turnover margin was so bad. They can control the ball on the offense. I think this team is really dangerous. Uh, Six and a half. I'm not going to save free money. Uh, I don't think Robert's going to save free money ever again after how many times he got burned last year. But (laughs) I think this is a really, really strong case for a team to win at least seven games. I really like nine and three. I think my three losses are going to be Miami. Um, I, I want to pick Clemson. I can't lock it in that they're going to be Clemson, but I'm going to say Miami, Clemson. And I don't know. It's, it's really hard to pick a third one for me. I mean, it's, it's either going to be Florida State or UNC. I think they're going to beat Florida State, but I also think they can beat UNC. I really think that at that game for NC State is going to be huge, has huge recruiting, or, uh, has huge recruiting. What's the word I'm looking for? I guess, weight on it just because nc state's finally seems like they're getting their feet wet in the state of north carolina again and with unc you know trying to take over the state and if they can win that game i think it's going to be a real problem for unc and especially the atlantic in the future uh dave Doran's a great coach i think virginia when they played virginia tech the first game of last year the first game of 2020 again i've said it every game every team this podcast it was hard to gauge like you said they improved every single game um i'm really liking the wolf pack this year so i'm going with nine and three and i have them also in second in the atlantic this year
3: i agree with all the above um i actually think that when most people are talking about mississippi state as one of their non-conference games i think mississippi state now under mike leach is is pretty pillowy soft in terms of a a tough road opponent so i actually think they win all their non-conference games enough said about you know leary knight their linebackers their defense um I do want to bring up the fact that I do believe they have one of the best offensive lines in the ACC. Uh, So I do think that equates to them just being super efficient on offense, all year long, extending drives, just uh, doing what they need to do to be able to be competent uh, at kind of what you need to do to win on the road, which is just kind of getting those like third down kind of like third and threes, third and fours to just uh, be a pain and keep the other opposing defense on the field. So, They're 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 in a good position. And my hot take on this one is I think they're the best football team in North Carolina. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick NC State, ride or die. I think they may end up better on the season than UNC. So there's my hot take. Over. Agreed.
4: Agreed. You all zig and I will zag. I disagree. (laughs) I don't I don't see it, man. Look at their schedule.
0: Ed, we were this this close to being an NC State podcast. nope nope not allowing it
4: man at nc state for a program or at mississippi state for a program like nc state but look at that sec environment man it's a little bit different down there uh clemson at boston college at miami at florida state there's some tough games on this schedule i'm surprised you guys are handing them this easy over like that not to mention north carolina and louisville so i don't know i It's possible, but I don't see it. I'm going to go with the under. I I
2: would just like to point out that after Chris fired off that flaming hot take, he chugged the rest of his beer. So
0: do with that what you will. I am actually, now I'm not so sure about my bullish NC State take now that everyone's on board. That's usually not how it works out. Dang. You know, I will say though, we are not alone in the NC State take. There's a lot of people you know, around ACC football, that see kind of what's happening with NC State, and they see the talent that they have on that roster, and think that they could have a really, really special season. I talked with the guys at the Red White Pod. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Red White Podcast. Uh, they do an amazing job covering. They do an amazing job covering NC State athletics, and they're really active on Twitter. So hit them up. I asked them, "Hey, is NC State a seven winner or more team?" He said, "Without a doubt." Yes, is this Dave Dorn's best team? He wrote an article on it. And he said, "Yeah, this is probably his best team that he's had at NC State." There are some questions. Secondary, secondary needs to take a bigger, str- a bigger stride. Does the offensive line have enough depth? Does someone get injured, you know, those are their questions. But all in all, this is the most balanced team that they have had depth-wise across the board. The issue with NC State, Ed, you did bring this up. They're the only AC, one of only two ACC teams that has to play the top three teams in the league. They do play Clemson, UNC, and Miami. So they do have a pretty tough sled. But hey, here's what he says. Bet the house on NC State beating the Vegas win total of six and a half. And I feel pretty confidently if it would to be seven and a half as well. So definitely feeling good. Also, we have to remember um, this offseason we did lose our Sweet Prince Speaking of beer, our sweet prince Tuffy the Second did pass away. He's being reborn through Tuffy the Third, which is the most adorable puppy you have ever seen in your life. His first game against South Florida, bet the house on that game. Um, they're going to do it for Tuffy the Second. It's going to be a great first season for Tuffy the Third in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, they'll definitely have some great environments there. That fan base is fired up. We're going to do some a quick one here on Syracuse. <laughs> Oh, talk about a program that just sucks. Um, Win total is three and a half. Since 2016, They are one, one and two against Vegas in the win totals. Um, Some key games for them, I think, are those first two. They have Ohio and Rutgers. They start the season away at a Mac program to tell you everything about Syracuse. Um, I don't have much to say. Dino Babers is coaching for his job. They were the 125th best offense in the country last season. Far cry, cry for a guy who... As an offensive coach, they're going to have the worst offensive line in the ACC, and they have a quarterback who has not proven to be anything other than a comp. He would be the second or third string at like Wake Forest. I mean, they they do not have any talent on this team. They had about three or four NFL cornerbacks over the last couple of years, and they still sucked. Uh, I have them going under. I have them going three and nine, and I think three and nine is actually being nice. Um, you could you could see this team going two and ten pretty easily. Ohio is not an easy game. Really the only easy W they have on their schedule is Albany. So anyone who wants to take it, well, we're starting with this. Does anyone have over three and a half for Syracuse? No one. Okay, Chris, we'll, we'll go with you first. What do you have for Syracuse? This is easy. This is a
3: one-win football team. I have them losing to start maxion at Ohio for their season opener. And then uh, literally Albany is the only win on this team's on this team's schedule. So three and a half, way too high. Uh, when I first looked at the slate of all the different over-unders, um, the two that stood out to me, we talked about before, uh, with Florida State being way low at five, this one was too high at three and a half. So Syracuse, bad football team. Dino Babers probably first coach fired this season. Um, it's 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 going to end poorly. One win.
2: Uh, yeah, they're going to win zero ACC games, and I will uh, change to this question. Over-under four and a half games played before Dino Babers is fired.
0: I think they're going to keep him through the season. I don't think there's a guy. I I don't think they care enough about football to fire anybody midseason.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with Sam. But if there was a spot to fire them, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be after. I think it'd be after the Florida State game. Going in, uh, there'll be what would say probably one in three going to the game, assuming they don't beat Ohio. If you can't tell, I'm also going under here. I think Rutgers is going to blow the doors off Syracuse. It's something I, th- I never thought I'd say, but Greg Sciano has that program rolling right now. So, I mean, I don't know if he's putting money in McDonald's bags or what, but he's got them on fire. And Liberty Mal- <laughs> Malik Willis is going to absolutely shred shred Syracuse. I mean, it's going to be really ugly. And honestly, I was a, when Dino Babers was hired there, I was a huge Syracuse proponent. I mean, I loved how they were playing. I mean, let's not forget, it, it was – in it was within the last half decade within the last five years Syracuse beat Clemson I mean and look where they are now I mean it's kind of sad to see how what happened nobody knows really what happened (laughs) honest I don't know how it happened how they got so bad so fast I mean I guess they're running the coattails of probably the greatest quarterback in Syracuse history behind Donovan McNabb so maybe that could be it but Yeah, I'm going under here. I honestly see them winning one, maybe two games.
0: Anything else on the Syracuse Orange?
1: I'm pretty sure
4: Dean O'Reilly's agent is already on the phone looking for coordinator jobs. So that's all I got to say.
0: Yep. Yep. And he doesn't have a whole lot to go on. Again, 125th in the nation offensively last season. We're going to round it out with another tough, tough team to pick, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake Forest win total is at 6.5. Their crossover game, they, they do play at Virginia for one of their crossover games, and that's usually a close game when those two play. Since 2016, they are 3-0-1 on the uh, overs, on the win totals. This is a team that has consistently made bowls, and that's a whole lot to say at Wake Forest. It's a good team. They have had some injury issues this offseason. And to be honest, this is the team that I, for my notes... I have a whole page on Wake Forest. Why? I, I'm not quite sure, but they they had a lot go on this offseason. So they have two massive injuries. Lost Donovan Green, the wide receiver, who's the top recruit in Wake Forest history and was going to be part of a really good Wake Forest wide receiver crew, mostly in part because of Green. He will be out for the season, as well as starting right tackle Javante Nash. Those are two huge losses. And if you look at a program like Wake Forest. They don't have the depth to replace those star players. They just don't. So you're bringing in two guys that are going to be, you know, far less in caliber of player than you are replacing. That's going to be really big losses for them. Uh, You know, they return nine starters across the line of scrimmage in the front seven, which I think is going to be a huge get for them. But uh, they do lose Carlos Basham Jr. And I think that's, again, just another big talent gap that they cannot replace. I would expect some regression in the turnovers. They were plus ten last year. Most of that was from Hendon Hooker. <laughs> I think Hendon Hooker threw like eight, eight interceptions in that game. Yeah, I I just don't see this team overcoming the talent losses. And then you look at their you look at their non conference schedule. They have Old Dominion and Norfolk State. Those should be two wins. They have Army. Army is not going to be uh, very good this year. I expect them to win that. And then they have a non-conference game against North Carolina, Um, that is technically a non-conference game. Those two schools decided to keep that rivalry alive, playing non-conference games in that one. So if you see them going, you know, three and one in the non-conference, now you have to have them going four and four in the ACC, and I don't see it. So under Clawson, here are the ACC records. Again, this is from 2014 to 2020: one and seven, one and seven, three and five, four and four, three and five, four and four, three and four. Uh, I, you know, that's, he hasn't been over 500 in his career in the ACC at Wake Forest. I don't think he gets to over it this time. I have them going six and six. It's going to be a good season for them next year. Next year's the year for Wake Forest. Next year is the year that they can have a phenomenal, phenomenal season. But this year I'm going with the under on them.
2: I am going to disagree strongly with you, Sam. Um, I I'm really high on wake forest this year. I'm taking the over here and I think it does start with that offense. And much like my girl, Casey Musgraves, the demon Deacons are all right with a slow burn. And what I mean by that is that they don't have the most explosive offense in the world, but it is effective. And last season, according to sharp college football, it wouldn't be a locks of Saturday podcast without us referencing sharp college football, their offense ranked nationally 80th in explosiveness, but it ranked 28th in drive efficiency. So basically they weren't a very explosive offense, but when they had the ball, they effectively took the ball down the field and scored and scored. Um, For reference, that would be the 10th most explosive offense in the ACC, including Notre Dame, but was the second most drive efficient behind only Clemson. And also for reference, Virginia Tech was 28th nationally in explosiveness, but was 119th in drive efficiency.
0: We'll, we'll dive uh, into that later.
2: We'll, we'll oh, talk yeah. that through
0: next week. Just, we'll had to, through.
2: just had to throw that in there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and, and it was kind of an eye test thing too, where it was like numerous times last season, you would watch Wake Forest and they would have the ball and they would just dink and dunk you. Over and over and over, they would just get three, four, five yards at a time and just progressively drive down the field. It wasn't pretty, but it was effective. and They scored on 93% of their red zone opportunities, 93%. That is phenomenal. And this is the brand of football that Dave Clawson, who I think is one of the best coaches in the conference, likes to play. And he has mastered that style at Wake. And I think that Wake is going to be that sneaky good team in the Atlantic this year. And it starts with Sam Hartman. And Sam Hartman doesn't have that big arm, but he manages the game well. And he has Jakari Robertson and Taylor Morin. And plus you have Christian Smith, um, And he's kind of that X factor for them in my mind. I think he's in every down back. And my hot take right now for the podcast is that I am predicting that Christian Beale Smith will lead the ACC in rush yards this year. Um, they will not wow you on the tape. The team won't wow you on the tape, but they are painfully efficient. I do find their schedule to be a bit favorable, other than that weird non conference thing with UNC playing ODU and Norfolk State and Army are all pretty winnable games. Maybe Army would be a little bit tougher but with the coastal opponents being UVA and Duke, those will be likely two of the lower teams in the coastal. Um, I see the overhitting here and I see Wake getting seven to eight wins.
1: This is a tough one for me. This was probably the hardest one on the list for me, just because I'm a huge Dave Clawson fan. Um, I think he's a great coach and wake force is one of the, probably if one of the hardest, if not the hardest school in the ACC to compete in, in football, um, but I think I agree with Sam. I think six and six is right at the right where there should be around this time, this year. Um, I mean, closing out the season with UNC NC state Clemson and Boston college is going to be really tough for them losing all that talent. Um, You got to think it's possible. They could lose all four of those games. um, Meaning they have to win six out of the other eight games. I mean, yeah, six out of the other eight. So, I mean, it's tough for me to look at looking at it like that. Uh, it's tough for me to pick six games. I mean, Syracuse stinks. Army is not going to be nearly as good as it happened in the past, but I wouldn't be surprised if they shock people. I think Virginia is capable of beating them. Um, Old Dominion, I mean, they have a lot of transfers. They, I mean, they have a lot of Division One transfers coming in that are really freaking good, um, and they have a chance to – I think, shock some people this year also. Um, that will be a tough game for them. Florida State, I think, is actually going to beat them this year. Um, I think that's one of the games Louisville has to win. That Saturday has to win in order for them to get to their win total. I think it's going to be tough for them to get more than six wins. Six wins gets them to a bowl, and they always seem to be getting to a bowl under Dave Clawson. So uh, I'm going to stick with my six and six prediction here.
0: Ed and Chris, round us out on Wake Forest.
1: I actually have the under. Um, I, I think six
4: wins is about right for Wake Forest. They did have four wins last year, but they kind of lost two games that were both very winnable in Duke and Florida State. So there's your six from last year. And I think in their six from this year, that'll include UVA. I think they beat UVA, which is uh, always nice to cheer for. But I'm going to go with six wins as well and the under.
3: I'm still on the under as well. I, I think um, for all the reasons that, other under picks kind of came in just not impressed with the overall talent level of the roster. This is a sum of all the parts kind of team that still kind of underachieves just based on the talent level. And and it's just not enough to sustain a, a really impressive ACC record. And their late season schedule is just brutal. And I can see them losing some of their other ACC toss-up games. So uh, I think this is a five-win team.
0: We'll see what happens down there in Winston-Salem. They definitely have an interesting schedule. And the end of their season is is completely brutal. Probably the hardest in the ACC, I think, in their final four games. So that rounds us out on the team-by-team predictions. Guys, moving in to our final rankings, I'll start off with mine just to kind of round everything out. I got Clemson going 10 and 2 with the under. I got NC State at 9 and 3 giving the over. Boston College in third place in the Atlantic with a push at 7 and 5. I actually have three teams here with at 4 and 4 in the Atlantic and I think that speaks to kind of the parity in this division. Uh, in fourth place I have Louisville at 7 and 5, they're getting the over. Florida State I have 6 and 6 at the over. Wake Forest at 6 and 6 having them go under that six and a half, and Syracuse rounding things out at three and nine. I have them going 0-8 and 8 in the conference and under in totality. Robert, what are your final standings for the ACC Atlantic? I
2: have Shocker here first place. I have Clemson. I have them going 12-0 and 0 and 8-0 and in the ACC in the overhitting. Then I have a three-way tie for second between Boston College, Wake Forest, and NC State. I have all three going eight and four with a five and three conference record, all three overs hitting. Then I have a pretty sharp drop off. I have Louisville going four and eight overall with a three and five conference record under hitting. Florida State also going four and eight, but with a two and six record under hitting. And then finally, Syracuse. 0 and 8 in the conference, and I don't really care what their overall record is. 1 11, 2 and 10, whatever, whatever you feel like, it'll still be under. So,
1: I have Clemson going first in the conference. I mean, no shocker there. I have them at 11-1, 8 and 0. I have NC State at 9-3, uh 5 and 3 in the conference. I pretty much have the same that Irby had, but just a little few changes. I have BC, then Florida State uh coming in at third and 4. I think four State is going to bounce back. I think they get to 8 and 4 with um, 4 and 4, and then I think. Wake Forest six and six, and I think they will get um, either. Th- I think they'll be three and five in the conference, and then Louisville I have them at four and eight. With them at three and five in the conference, and then I have um, Syracuse at two and ten, zero and eight.
3: Yeah, kind of continuing on with the uh, the trend in the picks here. We got Clemson at the top, eleven and one, still the under, uh, just with their insane win total. Uh, NC State, kind of the clear, kind of uh second team uh kind of still on that like second level on its own nine and three with the over um then i kind of have three four five bc floor state louisville all of them over i can see them all kind of being around like seven or eight wins um and then for me wake and cuse rounding it out uh wake five and seven with the under then cuse uh kind of being the punching bag of the atlantic one one and eleven so uh,
0: far under on that one
4: Yeah, I'll just give you the bookends. Clemson at the top, Syracuse at the bottom, and a whole bunch of teams in between beating up on each other.
0: I mean, that pretty much rounds it out.
4: Yeah, I mean, no need to go any more in depth. Y'all handled that part. It really is just two vast extremes and then a whole bunch of um, average to above average football in the middle there.
0: Well, that's what we love kind him. of
4: a summary of the whole ACC reality. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. That's a sum of the ACC. Some good teams at the top, some really bad teams at the bottom, and a whole bunch of mediocrity in the middle. That's going to wrap it up for the ACC Atlantic preview next week. We tackle the ACC Coastal. We're going to run through the other teams pretty quickly so we can spend some more time on the Hokies there at the end of it. Going to be an exciting time. For all of our picks in our um, ACC Atlantic summary, that will be up on a Twitter thread on the at Sons of Sat VT on Twitter. Again, that's at Sons of Sat VT on Twitter. We'll have everything up there this year instead of doing an article, so it should be fun. Hit us up there at Sons of Sat on Twitter. Guys, any final thoughts for tonight? Chomp, chop Wolfpack. <laughs> big, big Wolfpack podcast. Ed, you're going to be so left out when NC State has a great season.
1: Or he's going to look like a genius. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one or the other. Yeah. I I'll mean, be I'm be looking I, like Clemson or I'll be looking like Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, I'm really concerned that this is going to be another Louisville sentencing. Or we're all going to look back on this, but I don't think so.
0: Well, I'll make sure to... Um, and bring a pack of toughies for the week where we preview the NC State cleansing game. And I'll, I'll virtually share them with all of you. I love virtual beer,
2: it's my favorite kind
0: of beer. It's the best kind. All right, till next week. See you, boys. Adios.